So what I'd like to do first, for you guys who are visiting with us, we're so glad you're here, but the pastor here can be backwards a little bit, and we're going to start a little backwards this morning. We're going to do the summary statement first. So jump all the way down to verse 33 real quick with me. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. So the big picture here, what Jesus is trying to communicate to you and I, is that we need to put God first in material things, there to come second. God's going to take care of that stuff. So the kingdom of God, this is the primary subject of the Sermon on the Mount. If you've been with us, you're catching that, you're getting it. That is what it is all about here. In that kingdom which God of heaven is erecting in this fallen world where we are spiritually recovered under the Messiah, Jesus, as our king. So his righteousness, I need you to catch this, his righteousness is the character of all such described and illustrated in all the previous verses. And then we're told to be seeking first the kingdom of God. So what are we supposed to be seeking? His kingdom in that character, the object of supreme choice and pursuit. That's what seeking means. That needs to be number one, guys. So first seeking them before all other things. And all these things, so he goes back to the preceding verses, right? All these things, which refers back to the eat, drink, wear, which really sums up in all that he knows that we have need of or that is required in this present life. And then added, these things will be added onto you. So the kingdom, the character, you know, these seekers receive all of this this gracious reward for not seeking earthly things. So we have three imperatives here or commands that are very vital for you and I, very important. They are in verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then 25, it tells us do not worry. Three times that comes up. And then verse 20 again, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we're to lay up for yourselves, these treasures in heaven. So how do we turn from our addiction of these earthly treasure to have a passion for heavenly treasure? Well, one's attitude towards wealth is another barometer of their righteousness. You see, no, we can't take it with us. You guys know that? Can't do that. But we can send it ahead, okay? We can send it ahead. And that's cool to think about. So material possessions in that day. If you were a rich man in the day in which Jesus preached this sermon, they were viewed as being those that were close to God. They had favor from God. Okay, And a poor man somehow was underneath the judgment of God. So Jesus put material possessions in a total different type of framework of reference in this passage, in this sermon for us. Look at verse 19. He tells us this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. 
but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there's a warning against three beneficiaries here of our earthly inheritance. Moth, rust, thieves. So ancient teachers like Rabbi Hillel generally acknowledge the corruptibility of earthly treasure. Because thieves, they could break through a wall and steal the strong box of one's home. The well-to-do people usually tried several different ways or methods to keep their earthly goods, their money. They would invest it with the money changers or they would deposit it in a temple for safekeeping because thieves uh, even uh, balked at stealing from the gods. And then there's burying them in the ground, okay, or in caves where, however, the moth for expensive apparel um, or rust uh, of coins uh, could come and destroy its value in time. So what do you own or what owns you? What do you own or what owns you? See, he didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. No, I need you guys to catch this this morning. God said this, your, <laughs> your heart, okay? It's reversed, okay? It's where that treasure is. Your heart's gonna follow, okay? It's kind of like an arrow. You guys know how it's the fletching or the um, feathers on the end, okay? It's wherever that arrow's pointed, Okay, if those feathers are like the heart, <laughs> it's going to follow wherever it's going to go. Does that make sense to you guys? So if it's just like, hey, I live for, you know, binging on Netflix, <laughs> you know, that's where your heart's going to follow. Does that make sense? Okay, it could be whatever. But this is something that Jesus has given to us to reveal really where our heart is because that's going to be uh, following whatever treasure we treasure most. So look at verse 22. He goes on then to explain the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body, it's going to be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So there, think about spiritual blindness for a second. How many people do we pray for? Okay? We want them to know Jesus, but they come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. You know, we want so badly for them to know him. You know, we want so badly, just, Lord, for just a moment, let them see <laughs> that you are real, that you are alive, that you love them, that you are the Savior of the world. You see, the Pharisees had a problem, even these religious guys, because their spiritual eyes were diseased. An eyeball in itself can't be bad morally. The eye is just an organ of perception through which our whole personality is guided. So if we focus our vision on what the world calls success, our perception will be distorted in the light of God's revelation of reality. It's going to be blocked out. So our whole personality will be darkened. So what are you looking at? It's great. God's telling us these things, giving us some great insight. What do we do with this truth? 
What are we looking at? What are we focusing on? What do you see? Is it the temporal? The slice but a vapor, right? It goes quick. How many of you guys have some rust on your car? We live in Wisconsin, right? <laughs> you know, it's just all falling apart. It's temporal. You know, my favorite pair of jeans need to get thrown away. It's starting to get too many holes. You know, it's such a bummer, right? But God's asking us, no, don't worry about the temporal. We're to have an eternal view. So what are you focusing on? The eternal thing? Is that where your mind is? Or is it on the earthly? Verse 24, look at this. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one or love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon or money. So there's two masters. Say there's two masters. Uh, they rarely would share a slave. But when they did, it, was, it always led to divided interests. You guys need to remember during Jesus' time, the Rome was in power. In the Roman Empire, about half of the people were slaves uh, during this time. Uh, and there were no part-time slaves. Thus, there are no part-time Christians. Amen? So you can't look in two directions at one time. Okay? A slave can't serve two masters. And you can't live for both God and material wealth. Now... He goes on in verses 25 and on and tells us not to worry. But I have to ask the question, how do I not worry? Have you guys ever asked that question? I know what God's asked, but I find myself worrying a whole lot. How do I not worry? Well, this is one of the, well, first of all, I by no means want to belittle your bouts with anxiety, worry, or stress. Okay, That's not what we're doing here this morning. What we're doing is considering what Jesus is telling us. And he's giving us answers to what I think we all struggle with at times. Now, the word worry, it's an old Anglo-Saxon word, wargon, meaning to seize by the throat and to tear. Okay? Ulcers are not only caused by what you eat, but also by what's eating you. Okay? Stress can really mess with us worrying can overwhelm us not just physically but spiritually also so this doesn't say don't take thought of your life or don't plan for your life that's not what jesus is saying at all but instead not to take ancient thought anxious thought and worry over it that's what he's telling us here so answer me this what were you worried about exactly one year ago today <laughs> you got it good, buddy. <laughs> Look at verse 25. Therefore then, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing? Most people in antiquity had little beyond basic necessities. I mean, it was food, clothing, shelter. That's, if you had that, <laughs> you were gold. 
<laughs> you're good to go. And because of their accusation of um, these necessities, often dependent especially on, you know, in rural areas or seasonal rains um, of Egypt, if it didn't rain, they were in trouble, <laughs> okay? Uh, so they would expect the, the Nile there to flood. They would have plenty, um, you know, of things to be worrying about. Are we going to get enough rain? If we don't get enough rain, we're not going to eat this year. We're going to starve to death. So they had worry just about the basic things in life. So what you will put on, maybe Jesus was thinking about us, okay? Because our battle isn't having something to wear, but having too much to wear and having to decide what to put on, okay? Like this morning, I thought this was the best tie I had to go with this shirt, you know? I worried a little bit. Is that I'm doing a dedication there's going to be visitors i should wear a tie you know don't we get caught up in it? how many of you guys struggle with that sometimes you know you sit there in your closet <laughs> what do i <laughs> i mean do i even fit in that anymore like <laughs> that's the reality for most of us okay so our anxiety isn't over if we'll eat you know but which place are we going to eat or our anxiety isn't over if we'll find clean water uh, today, but is it, you know, are we going to have it with or without ice? Are we going to have it with bubbles, gas in it, or just purified water, you know, bottled or filtered or right from the tap? I mean, that's what we worry about, guys. So we're blessed, but in it, we still have anxieties for some reason. And look at verse 26. Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? So your heavenly Father is not the bird's father. Okay? He is the bird's creator. He is the believer's father. He is the unbeliever's judge. So, we should pray, oh God, give me bird faith. <laughs> Let me just trust. Not worrying, okay? Because you're going to take care of us. You've promised it. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add a cubit to his stature? So can we, ne we neither lengthen our stature nor our days, guys. Don't worry about it. It's in his hands. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow, it's going to be thrown into the oven Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. It's interesting. We who care so much about how we look, we have simply bland peach or brown or black skin okay, for our covering. While flowers, man, they're arrayed with vibrant, beautiful colors. So, Lord, help me to be content as a lily with how you made me. 
how you've clothed me. You see, the flowers here, they may be many. We always see, I, I love, how many of you guys love tulips? I love just the variety of colors. I love looking on line at Holland and all the beautiful fields of tulips they have and the brilliant colors that are there. And here, Jesus is saying, hey, you know, this is more beautiful, okay? You, you, you can envision royalty and Solomon in his beautiful robes. That doesn't even compare <laughs> to the beauty of these flowers. So off of verse 30, guys, to think the Lord who clothes the lilies will leave his own children naked is shameful. Ain't going to happen. So the perishing of the grass and flowers as the dry, they dried up each year with the heat, uh, it's a natural image for you and I really of our human immortality or, or morality or mortality, sorry. Um, and then he looks, look at verse 31. He says, to us very clearly, therefore do not worry. Okay? He gives us this whole thing. Consider these things. Don't worry. God is saying to you this morning, don't worry. These are Jesus' words, not mine. You know, it's not just wishful thinking. Okay? It's not a little positive thinking. This is God telling us, his creation, what to do. Don't worry. Saying, what shall I eat? Or what shall I drink? Or what shall we wear? Don't fret over world's trinity of cares. The eat, drink, wear. Okay? That's what the world cares for. In verse 32, he says, For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. So God is a know-it-all. You guys know that? God's a know-it-all. And I'm okay with that, right? God knows everything. His knowledge is immediate, instantaneous, comprehensive, and fully retentive. So, God knows what he knows without any kind of um, painstaking research, schooling, or use of Google, or even Siri, okay? He's just God. He just knows it all. So, how do I not worry? Well, I'm glad you guys asked again. Well, it's by finding courage to abandon our lives to the grace of God. That's all we can do. I'm going to trust I'm going to yield. I'm putting my life into your hands. So Jesus' illustration illustrates this awesome, <laughs> it answers it everything for us. Okay, God feeds the birds and he clothes the flowers. And you and I are infinitely of more value to our Heavenly Father. His power orders every detail of the world in which we live. So knowing his power and knowing his love for you and I, okay, his children, we get to abandon ourselves to his loving care. And we know that he will meet our needs. And that's why he tells us, hey, seek first the kingdom of God, verse 33. Do that. That's what matters. That's what's eternal. Okay? So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So how do I make thy kingdom come a reality in my life today? Well, you'll worry about your life or you'll worry about his kingdom. Okay? It's one of those things. What are you going to worry about? What are you caring about today? Jesus says, how about you worry about my kingdom and I'll worry about yours. Deal? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
And all these things shall be added unto you. So Jesus said, we are not even to be anxious about necessities. So living in the kingdom means abandoning our very lives to the Father's care so that we can concentrate on seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So every day brings its own cares, and if we're anticipating it, (laughs) it only doubles the worrying. So seven reasons not to be anxious. These eight arguments really are a gift for you and I from Jesus to free us from anxiety and to make you a generous giver. See, life is more than food, right? The body is more than clothing, verse 25. In other words, don't be anxious about your soul, your body, because those who might take your food or your clothing or even cause death cannot take your real life or rob you of your resurrected body. You guys recall, um, in Christ we're immortal, right? Luke 12.4 says, My friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. So there is something far worse than death. And it can never happen to you in Christ. It can't. So don't be anxious. And you are more valuable than the birds. Verse 26, he feeds them. There's two premises from this that we can pull from. One being that God is so completely in control of the natural universe. Every seed picked up, every insect that is eaten, every worm pulled out of the ground is provided by God. And he does that for the birds. And the second premise is you are more, much more value than they. First Peter 5.7, you can jot that down. It's one of my favorite verses. It tells us, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And if you look into the Greek, that word cast means the whole of. Completely. All of your cares, all of your anxiety, all of your worry. Okay? God invites you. Come, cast those upon me. I care for you. So anxiety accomplishes nothing, guys. Verse 27. Um, here's realists. <laughs> this is real simple. It's a practical argument. Anxiety does no good. Simple, right? Does no good. It accomplishes nothing. It doesn't help. Um, from webmd.com, it says chronic worrying can affect your daily life so much that it may f- interfere with your appetite, lifestyles habits, relationships, sleep, and job performance. Many people who worry excessively are so anxiety-ridden that they seek relief in harmful lifestyle habits such as overeating, cigarette smoking, and using alcohol and drugs. So what I want us to do is to preach to yourselves. It's good. As a preacher, let me tell you what. Sometimes it is just good to preach the word, I find myself preaching myself a lot. Sometimes I leave Sunday mornings with you guys and I'm just like, hmm, I don't know if anybody else got anything out of this morning, but I sure did. 
And something I think is important in this context and preaching to yourself, okay, is I'm accomplishing nothing helpful by my anxiety, okay? I will listen to Jesus and I will say no to this useless emotion. I will refuse to be mastered by a useless emotion. So control the things you control and give the rest to God. Amen? Amen. There's times, guys, I struggle with anxiety. And there's times, it's almost daily, where I have to choose. This is the truth. This is who I am in Christ. This is what he's asking me to do. Even though everything in me doesn't feel like doing it, (laughs) okay, I'm going to stand in this truth. And when you stand in that truth, it's helpful. (laughs) You're able to go, and God gives the grace that is needed So, the grass and the lilies, verses 28 and 30, talk. God, he clothes them, okay? Uh, They last for a day, but you are eternal is the point that he's making. So this is almost the same as the argument from the birds of the air, but it's not quite. The point there was that you are more valuable than the birds that God feeds. The point here is that you're eternal, And the grass and the lilies, they last for a day. So anxiety is a trust issue. So he says here in verse 30, O you of little faith. So what is he saying to you and I? Trust him. (laughs) Just trust him. Trust your father. He's a good dad. Come what may, he will take care of you. Okay? I can look back. Okay, life isn't always easy. But let me tell you what, God's got a pretty good track record of being faithful in hindsight. I don't know why I keep tripping out on what's yet before, because I've seen his faithfulness. Even the things that were hard and didn't make sense, difficult relationships that have been broken, okay? I've seen God use those things for good. Now, anxiety is worldly. If you look at 31 and 32, For the Gentiles, unbelievers seek after such things. So if you are anxious, you are like the world. And this is what people do who don't know God. Anxiety is worldly. You might think that this is a naive approach. Okay, How can you simply dispel this monster so easily? Okay, But I didn't say this. Jesus said this. And this, guys, is hard for me personally to hear. But it is what the Word of God says. So he knows this monster of anxiety better than any of us. He knows how to fight it. It is a fight. And he multiplies weapons for us. Sometimes one will work. (laughs) Sometimes another one might work. And Paul gives us a great one in Philippians 4, 6. You can jot that down. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything, right? Tell God what you need and thank Him. Do you guys know how good it is when you are worrying? If you just have a heart of gratefulness, gratitude, thankfulness, okay? That can change your thinking real quick. Thank Him for what He has done. And these will be added to your arsenal. Arsenal. Something just this last week that has been very helpful for me personally. I carry a burden for you guys. I love you. 
God, for some reason, has chosen me to be an under-shepherd to care for his people. And there's times I find myself worrying about you guys. And the Lord, this last week, as I pray, he asked me, just start thanking me for what I have done in their lives and what I am doing in their lives. And it's changing the way I'm praying a little bit for you, but it's also helping with that burden that I don't, I'm not to carry. I'm not the Savior. You can't save anybody. You can't save your kids. There's one Savior, okay? Let God do the saving. We do the praying and the loving, the serving, the eternal things that matter. So, um, your Heavenly Father knows what you need, verse 32. Let's start wrapping this up here. Father means uh, really that He loves you. Okay, think about that intimate relationship. It's not like, oh, almighty judge who's after me. <laughs> you know, If you're in Christ, your spirit cries out what? Abba, daddy, you have this relationship. Okay? And him being a loving father, if you're a father, you know that heart that you have for your kids. You love them. So heavenly here means that he is sovereign over all the earth and nothing can stop him from doing good to you. He is never at loss to know what is good for you. And he has all the wisdom and resources that it takes to meet your need. So God doesn't overload any day with trouble. Verse 34. So each day has its appointed amount. So don't reach into tomorrow and bring its troubles into today. Last week I shared from Lamentations 3 when we had communion. And I just want to share that again because these few scriptures are huge, okay? Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great, great is your faithfulness. You can bank on His faithfulness, guys. We have a faithful dad. He loves us. He has promised take care of us and he does so each day has its own appointed troubles and there are new mercies appointed for us every day so we can bear them so trust him and they'll they'll be there now three questions to ask ourselves first one did god govern the world okay before you entered it okay do you think he will do as well when you are gone from it? <clears throat> Certainly. Then, do you not think you may trust him to govern it as long as you live? Yes. Seekers, are you ready to make a kingdom shift? Those of you who have not bowed the knee to Jesus Christ yet, from yours to his. That's it, guys. We have a good king. There's a bad king. <laughs> There's a good king. And when we give our allegiance to him, when we humble ourselves, we say, your will be done. We have these promises to bank on, guys. Good stuff? Good stuff.
Why don't you stand with me and we'll close in prayer. Before we pray, I just want to share real quickly, personally. I wasn't going to share, but I'm going to share. I almost uh, sent out an email on Monday to our elders saying, I can't teach this week. This passage personally threw me for a loop. Some of you guys know that I struggle with anxiety, and it is hard. Um, But God is faithful when we take his word at face value. This is what you say. Okay? Here I'm worrying. I can't do it, God. Well, son, this is what I call you to do. <laughs> You're doing this. You need to cast this burden, this care, this worry that you have on me. And he's been faithful this week. So much so, I'm wanting to do just a topical teaching next week, just on verse 34, dealing with the worries of life. There's so much more to be said. And I don't know why God allows things in our lives, but I know that what I've gone through in the last few years, God has built my faith a lot. I would wish it upon nobody, but it's also given me a great opportunity to understand some things in Scripture that I really ignored before or thought and judged other believers that they were just weak in the faith. And that's just a lie from the enemy. Jesus addresses these things in the Word because they are things that we really struggle with. And He loves us enough to give us truth, and His Word is truth, and we are sanctified in it. So I want to encourage you guys, if you are struggling, what we went through this morning, what Jesus had to say in the Sermon on the Mount, this is a promise. He really is faithful. This ain't just good sentiments or thoughts. He's faithful to His Word, guys. So cling to his promises. Hold tight to the truth. Keep an open heart to his precepts. We need them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. It has just been so good to be here with brothers and sisters this morning. What a blessing to be able to come together as a family and uh, dedicate little Jonathan to you, God. We just thank you so much for family. Thank you for our church family. Thank you, Jesus, that you give us the grace to keep our eyes upon you, to keep seeking you. We just pray that we would grab a hold of your word, hunger for it, trust in you, Lord. And I do pray, Father, that you would just protect those that do have a bent towards anxiety and worry, that you would just bring healing and deliverance from that. Father, help us to treasure you more, God. I want so badly for you to be above all things all the time. And I want that for my brothers and sisters, God, that we don't miss out on what really matters, that we're not getting tripped up on the here and the now, these temporal things. Father, there's a race set before us. Help us to finish it well, Father, to finish just faithfully following you. We ask in your name. Amen.